The Playmakers Blog, along with shooting lights out, is sponsored by Fanatics, official license everything. Memorabilia, jerseys, hats, whatever you call it, for all sports fans, for all different sports, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever the case may be. Official license everything with Fanatics.com. We are also sponsored by Liz.com. Locker rooms by Liz. Get your customized hat with your favorite team logo on it. You can get customized t-shirt as well at Locker Rooms by Liz. Now, ladies and gentlemen, shooting. Lights out. It took me all the way up to today, Thursday, March 3rd, to get the show up and running for you. Because, look, tomorrow is the beginning of the Final Four for the ladies. Saturday is the men's Final Four. And then Sunday is the National Championship game for the ladies. And then Monday is the National Championship game for the men. Not to mention for my wrestling fan. It is WrestleMania weekend as well. There's so much going on. So I had to make sure I get everything done like I'm supposed to get done. Nevertheless, welcome to Shooting the Lights Out here from the Playmakers Boss Sports Network. You know me, the host down in the Playmakers. I'm right in the good old state of Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, boy. I've been putting this show together for some days, trying to figure out which route, where do I want to go, how I want to do it, and all this stuff. Because we are down to the final eight, ladies and gentlemen. We have literally, let's see, we got literally the final 10 games of the college basketball season, and it's over. And it is over. We are down to the final four. No, final six games. So three more men games, three more women's games, and college basketball is done. We'll crown two champions by the end of Monday, and we'll go from there. So to start off this show, we're going to kick it off with the ladies. I got to give my ladies first props on here, so we're going to kick off with the ladies. But first up, before we jump into it, the big news of the day. Nate Smith Award winner Caitlin Clark named Player of the Year, ladies and gentlemen. As you can see, this is CBS, cbssports.com. I always start Caitlin Clark was named the 2023 Naismith Player of the Year on Wednesday, recognizing her as the most outstanding player in women's basketball. And she has been awesome. Caitlin Clark has, and what Caitlin Clark has done in this tournament is amazing. Uh, she, she, she deserved it. 
and it's been remarkable. Clark has been far and away the most statistically dominant player in the women's college basketball this season. And she is the only player to average more than 20 points. She's at 20.7. She's at 27.3 points a game, 8.6 assists per game, and 7.3 rebounds per game. Not to mention she recorded the first ever for the triple double. And I'm gonna get to that when I get to my recap. But congratulations, Caitlin Clark. You have earned your due as the player of the year in the women's game. Now we have that out the way. Let's move on to our next. Nearly 80 players declare for the WNBA draft with more to come. As you see, you get a list of the key names that you see on here. You know, you see uh, the Lady Volunteers Guard, Jordan Huster has entered, Iowa Cyclone Center, Stephanie Sawyer has declared for the WNBA draft. Haley, of course, Haley Jones from Stanford is in there, Grace Beggar from Indiana, uh, Ashley, Jones, Ashley Jones, the Cyclones. Yeah, Leah Brown entering, uh, Maddie. Sir Chris from Villanova, the outstanding uh, big girl for uh, the the Wildcats. She's going. She has to clear for the uh, WNBA draft. And you have more to come. You still got Katie Clark get to choose. You still have Leah Boston coming in. You still have other you no know, key players from that's in the final four yet to decide if they jumping in or not. So, like they said, nearly eighty players to clear for the WNBA draft. Way more to come, and they ain't lying. There is more. Ladies that would be able to determine if they want to go to the WBA or not. And it's going to get crazy. This might be the most anticipated WBA draft that I have ever been, that I have probably ever witnessed. Mm -mm -mm. Now let's get to the recap of the uh, NCAA tournament, shall we? We start off in 616, the fresher memory as we travel back and get us back to the present. Miami pulled off the upset of knocking out Villanova in a 9-4 matchup to get to the Elite Eight. LSU took down Utah to get to the Elite Eight. Iowa continued to roll behind Caitlin Clark to get to the Elite Eight. And Louisville had a business against Ole Miss to get to the Elite Eight. That was Friday's game. Saturday's game where you got to see Maryland take Maryland put a beating on Indiana. South Carolina showing their dominance over UCLA. Ohio State, the surprise upset of the Sweet 16, taking out UConn with that press defense. And Virginia Tech slowing down the volunteers and taking them out. That was Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, ladies and gentlemen. LSU started off slow, but in the second half, put their dominance to show and dominated the second half. Getting a 54-42 win over the Miami Hurricanes to win the Greenville Region 2 region. It's just, it was just one of those games. You saw Louisville. You, you got to see Louisville going against Iowa in a 2-5 matchup for the Seattle 4th region. Those games took place on Sunday. You saw Caitlin Cart, Haley Van Litt go at each other, but it was Caitlin Cart. The 40-point triple-double was taking place in this game, and it came against Louisville, which is a stunner one. Let me get you the actual numbers so you actually know that. 
so you know the actual numbers. So if anybody asks you, you, you can give them the actual numbers that took place on Sunday. Uh, let's see here. I know she had, I think it was like 41, 42, 41 points. So we talking 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. What a stat line. And she was 11 by 19 from the field, 8 from 14 from 3. Not only she had a 40-point triple-double, she was efficient with it as well. Haley Van Leggate led the way for the Cardinals with 27 points. But it, Caitlin Carter and Iowa was just too much. That was Sunday. Monday's matchup, you saw South Carolina Maryland go at it. Maryland came out strong. They came out strong. They put South Carolina in a bond in the first half. But if you've been watching Don Staley in the South Carolina game, because you know the second half is where they do their damage. And that's what they did. The second half, they did their damage. Sion Cook, Cook the Terps. I mean, she cooked them. She cooked them for, let me get you the numbers here. Zion Cook cooked them for 18 points and eight boys. Aaliyah Boston, 22 points, 10 boys, five assists. Big also gave you 16, 7, and 6. So second half was, was South Carolina's and nothing can do. Diamond Miller played played well, 24 points with five boys. Can't be mad at that. It's just South Carolina's too much. And they are 42 and 0. Going into the final four. 42 and 0. And then the final game to recap the Elite Eight to set up the final four. Virginia Tech. Came out in a hard fought matchup with Ohio State. Uh, this game, you you didn't know what kind what kind of game you was gonna get between these two because you know that press that LSU applied to UConn was troubling for UConn. You want to see how Virginia Tech handled it, and I mean Ohio State came out fighting, but it was that fourth quarter. It was my fact, I'll give you the second half. The second half, Virginia Tech outscored Ohio State. 36 to 29. 36 to 29. And that's how the uh the Hogies make their first ever Final Four and win it by 10. Elizabeth Cayley led the way with 25 points and 12 boys. Georgia Amor, 24 points. I mean, these two ladies have been balling all season, and they proved it on a big stage to win the Seattle Region 3 to get the Dallas for the Final Four. It is crazy how that happened. Very, very good to see. But as we stand right now for our Shooting Lights Out Tournament Challenge, I am currently in second place right now. Right behind Mr. Johnny Weasel Blade. Um, he has a very good chance of winning the $100 for me. He has me by uh, 130 points, and we both picked South Carolina to win it all. The problem is for me, I didn't have Virginia Tech in my final four, but I did have LSU, and I did have Iowa along with South Carolina. But I had UConn in the championship game with South Carolina, and we know that's not going to happen. It's not over. Anything can happen, but we shall see.
but anything can happen. But I did have LSU on the other side. So we shall see. Daniels, who's down there at the fourth spot, he has a shot. He still has an outside shot at $100 as well. But I'm trying to hold on as much as I can. But we shall see because it's not going to be easy whatsoever. Okay. But nonetheless, the final four is set. So let's take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the women's The Playmakers blog is proudly to announce that it is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, where you can get all your official license, sports gear, memorabilia, whether it's for the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, or even International Soccer League, or even college sports. So whip your team, whip the hardware, get comfortable, because Fanatics is the way to go. Where sports fans shop and official license everything. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Fanatics. Get 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 your gear on the best deal that you can find. Fanatics.com. And then I'm just just to let you know how good these two. Let's see what Fanatics got going on today. All right, free US shipping on orders over $24 using the code 24SHIP. That is 24 S H I P on orders over $24. Free US shipping. All right, now we're back on Street Lights Out. We got to get into the final four, which is in Dallas, Texas. And here's our your uh, esteemed elite final four. You have the number one team in all of the land in the South Carolina game cause the reigning defending national champions led by Don Staley, Zion Cook, and, of course, Aaliyah Boston. On the other side, your other number one seed, the Virginia Tech Hokies making their first ever Final Four appearance. They're also coming off one of their first ever ACC Tournament Championship as well. Georgia Amor is leading the way along with Elizabeth Cayley. This These girls know how to put up points in bunches, so let's see how they roll. Coming in as the second seed from the Seattle Four region is the Iowa Hawkeyes, led by Nate Smith, National Player of the Year, Caitlin Clark. The team of Iowa who likes to score just as much as Virginia Tech does, but we should see how they fell against State Final Four opponent. And lastly, it is the Tiger of LSU, led by the, the Bayou Barbie of Angel Reese. You gotta know that Kim Markley is doing a phenomenal job coaching the Lady Tigers when she left the Lady Bears for LSU. And it's gonna be interesting to see. But these are your final four teams: South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Iowa, and LSU. Like I said, this is the beginning of a crazy sports weekend starting tomorrow with the Ladies Final Four. And with the Ladies Final Four, we're gonna kick it off with LSU versus Virginia Tech. This game, ladies and gentlemen, will get started at 7 p.m. on the Family of Networks of ESPN, 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 and ESPN+. Plus. You have the LSU Tigers coming in at 32-2 on the season against Virginia Tech at 31-4 on the season. LSU is a two-point favorite, but here is the matchup. LSU likes to defend. 
Ela é de defensa, sim, from the SEC. They like to hold you down. They like to make things tough for you. And if I'm looking at the numbers correctly, uh, let me see. LSU was third in rebounding at 42.7 rebounds a game. Their defense is up there with, is in the top 10 in scoring. So you have to be ready if you're Georgia A. Moore, Elizabeth Kaylee, and the Virginia Tech Hoyas because LSU, they can play them down and dirty. They only give up 57.7 points per game. That is that is that is crazy in a women's game. But you have one of the top offenses in the game in Virginia Tech who can score. They like to score. So if I was to look at Virginia Tech's numbers and how much they score, could they put up points? You know, as much as I, I was the number one scoring team in the country at 87 points. And have, but I'll get to that for that next matchup. But Virginia Tech ain't be far off. It's going to be interesting to see because if you look at their last games, so if you look at it, let's look at the journey of Virginia Tech, speaking of offense. So they pretty much, they won, they scored 75 points to win the ACC tournament over Louisville, 75 to 67. They only scored 58 against Chattanooga in their first round matchup, but they jumped back and got back into the 70s, dropping 72 against South Dakota State in the second round, 73 against against Tennessee in the Sweet 16, and 84 against Ohio State. The same team, the same Ohio State team that held UConn down. They dropped 84 on them. They like to score in the 70s and 80s if you're Virginia Tech. Let's look at LSU. You want to look at Let's look at LSU. Okay. LSU gave up 50 to Hawaii in the first round matchup. 42 to Michigan. We talking about a good Michigan team at that. They held them to 42. Held Utah to 63. They beat Miami. They held Miami to 42 to get to this game. So it seems to me 60 is the number for Virginia Tech, which they can obviously do. My fact, 60 is pretty much this number for both teams right now. Because Tennessee is not a real big scoring team. And they hit 83 in the quarterfinals against Georgia in the SEC tournament. But mostly they they don't really like to put up that time of point. They want to hold you down and beat you down. They want to be physical. They want you to fill them up and drain you. And, Take bad shots and not get you and not get offense and not get second chance. This is what they do. And Angel Reese, Angel Reese is a double double machine this year. Last year it was Aaliyah Boston. This year it is Angel Reese. She the Bayou Barbie. Okay, she is the catalyst, the leader of the LSU Tigers. And but you're going against a feisty Georgia A more from the Virginia Tech Hogan who will find a way to get her shots up. And find teammates to get shots up. So this is gonna be interesting to see. Right now, Vegas has the Tigers from the Bayou as a two-point favorite down at American Airlines Arena for tomorrow's game. We shall see how it goes. So will it be LSU or Virginia Tech punching their ticket to the national championship game? 
And after that game is the game that I like to call the game that will be the most watched game of the entire Final Four that a coup made in the league. Because after Virginia Tech and LSU get done, it is the matchup that we all been wanting to see. The Iowa Hawkeyes, led by the Naismith Player of the Year and Caitlin Clark, going against D-Rainey, defending, undisputed, national champions, the South Carolina Gamecocks, who have won 42 games in a row. With the return of Leah Boston, Zion Cook has been balling. Don Stead is still at the helm. The matchup of the superstars is here, ladies and gentlemen. And it's for a birth in the national championship. This is not for the national championship game. This is for a birth in the national championship game. We can go to the numbers again. Like I said, Iowa is the top scoring team in the land. 87 and a half points per game they put up. LSU is third at 84, at 84 points. So I can actually, I was actually wrong. They do. LSU can't put up points, so they can't go up in the 80s if they want to. But back to Iowa and South Carolina. Iowa's the number one field goal percentage team. They shoot 51% per game. But guess who has the number one point differential? South Carolina. Their point differential is 30.3 a game. They just don't beat you. They beat you down. Okay, points allowed. South Carolina's fourth on the list at 51. They give up 51 a game. They are second in rebounding at 49 and a half rebounds a game, right above LSU. Blocks per game. South Carolina, number one at nine a game. It is legit offense versus defense here. Well, it's Kirk Franklin because you got two SEC teams, and both, and both of them like to play defense. And you're going against a Big Ten team who has the Naismith Player of the Year who likes to score and, and at least the top-scoring offense in the game. And then you have Virginia Tech on the ACC who just likes scoring as much. So my thing is this. Who will win today, offense or defense? Because guess what? Ever since LSU took a taste of what it's like to go against South Carolina, they had to learn there's levels to this. They have been unbeaten. They have been unstoppable. They have been unstoppable. Matter of fact, let me show you what South Carolina did to LSU. Okay. Because LSU was a rope. I mean, they were rope. They played South Carolina. When did y'all play South Carolina? Y'all played South Carolina into yeah. Y'all played South Carolina in a battle of unbeatens. This was back on February 12th. Columbia, South Carolina, South Carolina was 24-0, and she was 23-0. And what and what Angel Reese and, and LSU found out there's levels to greatness. They found out from the opening tap. And they found themselves down, down nine before you knew it. Down 10 at halftime, and you could never get back. Let me tell you, I just told you LSU is ranking the top 10 in points because I had to correct myself. 
LSU only scored 15 points in the first quarter, 17 points in the second quarter, and 16 in both the third and the fourth quarter. They could not stop South Carolina, who, who dropped 88 on them to the 64. And Aaliyah Boston wasn't even the leading scorer for the South Carolina area. Aaliyah Boston gave you 14 and 9. Zion Cook gave you 17. Cadelzo came off the base and dropped 18 and 13. It's already bad that we got to deal with Leo Boston. Man. If Zion Cook gets started, that's a problem. And if Bill gives you anything, that's a problem. You got Cadelzo coming off the bench that's going to give you something. You got Cooper that can come off the bench and hoop. You got Watkins that can come off the bench and play. John Sutter can go nine deep if she really want to. And where Iowa out? But we all know we talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes and Caitlin Clarkson, Player of the Year. Who's gonna do whatever she needs to do to get her team to win? So you know it's gonna start with Caitlin Clark. But that's not forget. Miss Warnock. Let's not forget. Miss Sanano. Who actually fouled out against Louisville and only played 26 minutes. That would that could happen again because we're going against Lil Boston and that duo of South Carolina bigs. Okay, Marshall, who is a sniper from three, Mark can do some good things. But if I was gonna hang around, they're gonna need help on their bench. Because South Carolina can go nine deep and all nine can hoop. And I don't mean hooping as in oh because they play better. When I say who all night can hoop, Zion Cook can get it started when she wants to. You know, you know what you're gonna get from a little Boston. Cut also comes in. She just another a little Boston. <laughs> That's why Vegas right now, which is like the game we all been waiting for, and Vegas don't even have a close. Vegas got South Carolina winning winning by eleven and a half. This is the game of the year for both men and the women, and Vegas is like. Yeah, we got South Carolina by double digits. This is how deep and talented South Carolina is. And Vegas is sitting here saying, the day before it get it gets it goes down. Vegas said 11 and a half, South Carolina. Now, are they trolling us to make you say, hey, wait a minute, y'all disrespecting Louisville, y'all disrespecting uh, Iowa? You know, Katie Clark, they're gonna do their thing, they're gonna be in this game. Or Vegas is telling you have y'all not paid attention to South Carolina as much as y'all should have. Point differential is 30.3. I don't know what to tell you, but at this point, it's going to be something. And trust me, trust me when I tell you, this will be the most watched Final Four game this year. I ain't even get to the manager, and I don't even care. This game right here. It's going to be the most watched Final Four game, okay? And it actually kind of works out perfectly because even though it's WrestleMania week for my wrestling fans, when they get started, SmackDown will be halfway done. So, all eyes going to be on this game for the most for the second half. Oh, once SmackDown goes off at 10 o'clock Friday night, people are going to turn to ESPN to get the second half of Iowa and South Carolina to see what the hell's going on. And if Clayton Clark can, can be David and slay Goliath, which is the South Carolina Gamecocks. 
Just let you know. I'm just letting you know. But this is it. This is your time frame right here. American Airlines Arena in Dallas, Texas, where the Dallas Mavericks play it. Your first game is LSU Virginia Tech, and after that, it's the show of all shows, the matchup of the year. Iowa and South Carolina afterwards. So get it ready because it's going down. We ain't gonna take a break. And then when we come back, we're gonna flip over to the man. Welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Thing with Tony Khan now being in talks to WWE, I'm going to be honest with you. I spoke to this with Ricky Litwinkowicz, a.k.a. the Master of Mayhem, and he honestly believes that me talking about Tony Khan buying WWE is basically I'm kind of wasting my time because Ricky believes it's never going to happen. Okay. Now, I, now don't get me wrong. Ricky, I respect, his, I respect what he says. He's, he could very well be correct. But I got to be honest with you. The fact that Khan is interested in supposedly buying WWE, I mean, to me, that's definitely worth talking about. Now, now, I should mention this. Shout out to Ricky, by the way. And I got to mention this, that even Jim Cornette already had something to say. And he said, and I quote, ridiculous to think that could happen, unquote. <laughs> a wrestling fan that's been super supportive of Brody Lee as a wrestler and everything that WWE could have done with him and, you know, everything that he could have shown and, you know, offered for the wrestling business. You know, for me, I, just, I wasn't just a fan of Brody Lee himself, like in character. I strongly respected him, you know, as a human being. Like, I had a lot of respect for Jonathan Huber. You know, that's Mr. Brody Lee's real name. So basically, I had a lot of respect for Brody Lee, Luke Harper, and of course, Mr. Jonathan Huber. This particular episode was about world class championship wrestling. And the episode title is, you know, WCCW Wrestling's Lone Star Legacy. And because I am the Bear of Texas, and I do hail from the Dallas-Fort Worth area of the state of Texas, World Class Championship Wrestling was basically my territory as far as being a wrestling fan goes. Ladies and gentlemen, Ringside Chaos is available on all streaming platforms including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shooting Lifestyle. Shout out to my man, Alzakazad, the bear of Texas, and Ringside Chaos, who will be giving you what you need to get you ready for WrestleMania, ladies and gentlemen, and the Hall of Fame, and all that good stuff. But it is WrestleMania week, like I said, we begin the show, and it's also from the four weekend, as I said before. So we already did a laser, but now we got to go to the men. And to kick it off the men's side, uh, 
Caleb Love will leave North Carolina into transfer portal, which is crazy. Um, Caleb Love had a terrible season, as all of North Carolina had a terrible season, as they went from preseason number one to not even making the NCAA tournament and skipping the NRT. But Caleb Love, after two seasons with the Tar Heels, is, in, is going into the transfer portal. He's starting to see where he will land at. And can he develop his game a little bit better? Because he shot less than 38% from the field, which is terrible. Very terrible. Kentucky guard Cyber Worley also is going to enter the transfer portal. He didn't get see a lot of action this upcoming season under John Calipari, so he decided to enter the transfer portal, which is interesting because the transfer portal has been has played dividends, as you can see when we get to our final four matchup. That's played dividends for a lot of these teams in this tournament this year. Moving right along, Oregon's Kylie Wade, former top ten recruit, to enter portal as well. And Mr. Terry, Coach Terry is officially the new coach of the Texas Longhorns. He led them all the way up to the to the Elite Eight after they had after the university dismissed Chris Beer over uh, the domestic violence allegation uh, that was later dropped by the girlfriend. Oh, I said not girlfriend, fiance, shall I say? Now uh, he fell short to the Miami Hurricanes, which I will get to, but he officially got the job. I think it was five years. I think it's a five-year deal, if I remember correctly. So great up. So shout out to Mr. Terry for officially getting the head coaching job. Going all the way in, Smith is leaving NC State to enter drive. Shout out to Smith. He had a phenomenal year for the Wolfpack. But he ain't only one Baylor star freshman, Keontae George, is also declined from the NBA job. Both guys are projected with somewhere around in the top 10, top 15 range. So we'll see where they go and how they develop into the professional league. Now let's get to our recall. Starting with the Sweet 16 that began Thursday. Kansas State, the game of the the game of the tournament. The game of the tournament. I gotta make the game of the tournament. Michigan State, Kansas State, Madison Square Garden. Back and forth to fail. Overtime game. Mike Mark Marquise Noel put on the show. This man had 19 assists, 20-something points, and 19 assists is a record in the NCAA tournament single game. That's a remarkable display. He was refusing to go home while playing in his hometown of New York City. That's a phenomenal, I mean phenomenal display by Marquise Noel to get them past the Michigan State Spartans and Tom Izzo to get to the Elite Eight. UConn, the most dominant team throughout the entire tournament was UConn, and they pulled that dominance with a 23-point win over Arkansas. F-A-U! And Madison Square Garden gets the uh, physical tendency volunteer team, and they handled the physicality that the volunteers brought to them, stunning the volunteers, the fourth seed, 62-55. And then Gonzaga and UCLA gave us another classic game to watch. Gonzaga edging out UCLA 79-76 in that one. Equal as is shocking as FAU taking down Tennessee. It is San Diego State with the stifling defense holding down Alabama to 64 points. 
with the asset reaching the elite eight 71 to 64. And then the last and final one seed went down. Right after the number one overall seed went down, the Houston Krugers was outmatched on the offensive end by the Miami Hurricanes, 89 to 75. All number one seeds done before the Elite Eight for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. The run of Princeton and then in the Sweet 16, Rick Creighton outshot them 86 to 75. The Tigers fell down to, to the Blue Jays. And then Texas showed that with some defensive stops and great offense, you can take down the Xavier. And they took him down by 12, 83 to 71. That was the Sweet 16. And then we had the Elite Eight. In the Elite Eight, Madison Square Garden, it was the South Region. I mean, it was the East region, FAU versus K, versus K-State. Which team will punch their ticket to the Final Four, the first Final Four in program history? Florida Atlantic Hours! What a game! What a game! Florida Atlantic is in the Final Four. And they did it at Madison Square Garden. Boko Raton was rocking. Boko Raton was on another level to see the Owls make history. And I do mean history. And then UConn continued their dominance and they dominated. They have, they just dominated Gonzaga. 82 to 54. It was a beat down for the ages. It was a beat down thing Gonzaga had witnessed in a very long time. And UConn proving why they are the most dominant team in the NCAA tournament as they took the rest region to get to the Final Four. That was Saturday. This was Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. A very a controversial ending to the game. Do you call a foul? Was it a foul? Should you call it and all that good stuff? One, by the definition, it is a foul. Okay. By definition, it is a foul. So with what most people fail to, I know what the argument people are trying to say about how that game finished, but let me make the argument for you, okay? And only a few hand, a handful of people made the correct argument. The correct argument for this is that it is a foul. That is the definition of a foul. What happened? That's the definition of a foul. The problem that people have, you want to call that in the first five minutes of the game. The last five minutes of the first half. You weren't calling that in the first five minutes of the second half. So how all of a sudden was a second to go? Now you called a foul. But you only called 11 fouls throughout the whole game until that moment. 11 total fouls called. And you called out. That is the issue of what people have. But they just didn't put it in the correct terms of saying it. If you call 11 fouls throughout the whole game, was telling me you're gonna let them play, you're gonna let them play, you're gonna let them play. But when you get down to the final seconds, sorry about that, you call that. And essentially, the guy makes one out of two for San Diego State. Quentin tries to throw the long key, he gets tipped up out of bounds, the clock didn't stop right after he got tipped in the air. They go to review, they go to review, they do a stopwatch and all this other stuff. Game over. San Diego State wins, Creighton goes home. Duh, McDermott, not them. Uh, Greg McDermott's not happy with the situation, how they were they went about. I don't blame him. 
Nevertheless, the call says it is what it is. San Diego State wins the South Region to advance to their first ever Final Four. And then the final spot came to the Midwest region in Kansas City, Missouri. The fifth seed Miami Hurricane taking on the two seed Texas Longhorns. A game that went back and forth. Uh, Car gets injured, comes back in. Miami big man fouls out. All this good stuff, but it was Miami's guards. Miami's guards pulled in and pulled away from the Texas Longhorn to take it 88 to 81. As Miami makes their first ever trip to the final four. Before we get to the final four, as you already previously saw, you do not see me on in this graphic. You know why? Because Alabama lost and I am completely done. Yeah. So I can tell you for sure, for sure, somebody in the mid size winning $100 from me because Alabama got beat by San Diego State. Uh, I had Texas in the Final Four, didn't make it. I had Gonzaga in the Final Four, didn't make it. That's three right there. And I had uh, Marquette in the Final Four, didn't make it. So pretty much my Final Four and championship is all no show. This means I'm done. So the guy that you see highlight down there who has the Butters bracket three, I'm, I need to find out who that is. He has the best chance of winning because he picked Miami. He picked the U. He picked the U. To win y'all, and the U is in the final four. Now they do have a very, and I do mean very tough matchup ahead, which I'll get to after a break. Nevertheless, yeah, he has the best shot. And outside of that, you're looking at the guy at the top right there, ESPN fan, three nine seven four seven one one six seven nine one. Uh, Black Life, he has the second best chance, even though he picked Duke to win it all, but. His final four it was different than most of our final four, so he has another shot. And then my boy Tyler Ingram, he has the third best chance of winning it, even though he picked Alabama as I did to win the whole thing. So Monday, it's gonna be gonna see who who's winning a hundred dollars. So it's gonna be interesting. But like I said, we're gonna after this break, we are going to dive into the final four. The Playmakers Bar is proudly to announce that it lettered a partnership deal with Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Stream live sports from any device that you have, whether it is your computer, laptop, or even your cellular device. Catch breaking news live when it happens and enjoy a mountain of entertainment from movies to shows to whatever you love doing. Paramount Plus. Plan starts at $4.99 a month, but right now, you can get a free trial. Just hit that link below with the Playmakers blog and start your free trial right now. Paramount Plus, Mountains of the Entertainment. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Paramount Plus, a way for you to watch the Final Four, which will be live on CBS. So if you don't, if you have problems trying to get to a TV, let's get Paramount Plus. And you can go ahead and start at $4.99. You can get a free trial for the Final Four. That free travel get you started from what Saturday all the way up to the following Saturday. See if you like our night. You got all the great shows you can watch on there as well. Like CSI Miami, CSI New York, you have Scorpio on there, FBI, SWAT, all the good stuff is on there. Wait, Paramount Plus, you got the classic Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon um, cartoons on there like Rudd Rats, Hey Arnold. 
Paramount Plus is a great is a great app to get. So if you don't got to get it and get ready for the Final Four on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for it. And speaking of the Final Four, we are here. Houston, Texas. Yes, the ladies are in Dallas. The men are in Houston. And the Final Four will get kicked off Saturday. As you can see, San Diego State, FAU, Miami, and UConn are your Final Four teams. You have three first-timers in the Final Four in San Diego State, FAU, and Miami. You have no top three seeds in the Final Four. San Diego State is a five seed. FAU is a nine seed. Miami is a five seed. And UConn is a four seed. And the last time this team, this last time this tournament was in Houston, a certain team that were blue in our call Huskies, who are in the front of four this year, actually one of the thing. And that was when Kimball Rocket made that magical run when he went five, when they had when you can had to go five days and five, five games and five days to win the big East tournament, and they kept that run going all the way up to Houston to win the national championship. Yet UConn is here again as the most dominant team in the tournament. Now our first matchup is the San Diego State Asset, the South Region winners against the East Region winners in FAU. San Diego State had a path to get here. That didn't seem, it wasn't likely to happen, but it made it happen, as you can see. San Diego State played College of Charleston, handled business against College of Charleston very well. Uh, they won again. Let me get you the uh, final score here. Let me do this. Make sure I do this the correct way and not just do it any kind of way. Uh, let's go here. Yeah, right, there we go. All right, Carl Charleston. They won in a very close, close neck battle, sixty-three to. 70 to 57. Good win for them. Six point win for the Aztecs in that one. Round two, they got to face Farmer, who came out the upset win of Virginia. They put him in their place, winning 75 to 52. Then the upset of all upsets, taking down the number one overall seed in the Alabama Christmas Time, led by Brandon Miller, who did not have a great game. He did not have a great tournament this year, to be honest. If I look at Brandon Miller's numbers, only nine points, three for 19 from the field, one for 10 for three, but he did give you 11 points. But then look at the assets were stifling. They held Alabama to 11% shooting from three. It says a lot because they like to shoot threes. They love shooting three. Three for 27 from three was the Alabama Christmas tie. And this big upset loss to the San Diego State Aztecs. And of course, the controversy thing with the Creighton Blue Jays to get here to win the South Region. That is the San Diego Assets Power to the Final Four. FAU on the other hand was more surprising than whatnot. They win Conference USA handily. And then they had their opening matchup in the 8 9 with the American champions of Memphis, Tiger, and Penny Holloway, which they got by 66 to 65. And then we had a matchup that nobody expected in it. FAU versus FDU. Fairly Dickerson versus the Florida Atlantic. And Florida Atlantic handled business 78 to 70 in that one. Thus, you, you just recall the, the surprise upset win against a physical Tennessee team in the Sweet 16, 62 to 55. And then the back and forth affair between 
the Owls and the Wildcats of Kansas State as they as the Owls upset Kansas State to win the East region to get to the Now, ladies and gentlemen, you we have you talking Matt Bradley for the San Diego State asset leading the charge with 12 with 12 and a half points per game, shooting 40% from the field. Going against Jarnell Davis, who's averaging 14 points a game on 49% shooting from the field. You have an asset team that is that is tenacious on defense. And you have an Allison who is a balanced team that can play defense and that can play offense. Now, if I sit here and look at it, look at uh, top defensive leaders, you don't see none of these teams in here like that. So let's see what San Diego State's season stats look like. Okay, here we go. San Diego State has an overall record of 31 and 6. They are very good on the defensive side. Very good on the defensive side. Because when you hear San Diego State, you hear defense. That's just called it what it is. You hear defense. They 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 lock you down at the right moment in time. That I can say. Let's go to the Mountain They they not that good. They don't score that much. Uh, you're talking about a team that averages what? Let's see. A team that averages seventy about seventy two points per game. They shoot forty percent, forty four percent from the field. They shoot thirty five percent from three, which is not that good. But it's the defense, though. It's the defense, the reason why. They are who they are. If I look at San Diego State, they give up 63 points a game. Their whole opponents to 40% shooting from the field, 27, 28% from three-point range, which is, as you can see, Alabama shot 11% from the three-point range. It's the defense that does it for the assets. Defense. Now, let's look at the Alps. Conference USA. They found a year in the Conference USA. The Florida Owls are in the Final Four. Before they made the transition to the American Conference, replacing a team up just up north for them about a good two and a half hours. So that'll be the UCF Knights, who will be moving to the Big 12. Florida Atlantic. Defensively, they give up 65 points per game. Opponents shoot 40% from the field. They also shoot 32% from three, so they're not that far off from. San Diego State defensive-wise, but offensively, they score 78 points a game. They shoot 60% from the field, and they shoot 30, about 36 and a half, 37% from three. To me, could the outs be favorite? No, because they has the assets for about two and a half. ESPN says 57.7% in favor of the assets of San Diego State. But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if the outs pull this off. Okay. If you're looking at their tournament run, let's see. 66 on, on Memphis, 78 on Fairleigh Dickinson, 62 on Tennessee, and 79 on Kansas State. Let's see the, the defensive prowess of this assets. First round matchup, they gave up 57. 
Against Farm, they gave up 52. Against Alabama, they gave up 64. And against Creighton, they gave up 56. You're talking about a team that can score high 70s and against a team that give up less than 60 points. There's gonna be a this is gonna be a a, a, tra- a, a matchup of crash chasing style. San Diego's defense was FAU's offense. Something's gonna give. You're talking about two teams that have won 30 plus games. FAU has won 35 games this season. They are 35 and 3. San Diego State is 31 and 6. San Diego's on an eight-game winning streak. Florida Lennon's on an 11-game winning streak. This game here is going to be very intense, very heart-pounding for both fan bases and basketball fans in general because you don't know what's going to happen. We're talking 78 points per game for the Owls against 57 points per game from the SS defense. This is going to be something to behold. Does offense win today or does defense like they all say, defense win championships, offense win games. Which one's going to prevail? Because this is a spot in a national championship game on Monday night. That's going to be a doozy. Then we get to the most dominant team in the country, in the Yukon Huskies, against the other third and final team who's making their first ever on the four pins in the Miami Hurricanes. Look, this this is what UConn has done since the tournament because they lost in the Big East tournament to Marquette, who actually won the Big East. Before. They took on Wibbettino and Iona before Wibbettino became the head coach of St. John's. They beat them 87 to 63. Okay. I don't have a pencil with me. I wish I did, but okay. Let me use this real quick. So we talking. Let's see here. UConn won by what? 24 points in round one. Then we have UConn beating St. Mary's Gales. They beat them by 15. That's round two. Sweet 16 against the Arkansas Razorbacks. They beat them by 23. And then the Elite Eight match with Gonzaga, they beat them by 28. In the four games these dudes played, all by WJs at least 15 points. Now, let me do some math because I'm going to give you the more, that average margin of victory of this. Okay, we're talking 24, 15, 23, and 28. They are winning by an average margin of 22 points a game. 22 points a game in the tournament is the UConn Huskies. This is crazy. This is the most dominant team in the tournament. And I hate it, to be honest. I do. And you know that you know Vegas ain't giving them a chance. Not Miami, but Miami. Miami beat Drake by seven. They beat Indiana by 16. They beat Houston by 14. And they beat Texas by seven. Now, the way you look at it, you can say, okay, UConn beat Iona. Who cares? There's only Rivers Hino over there. St. Mary's Gale, a West Coast Conference team. Okay. 
Arkansas. Okay. And Gonzaga. So you beat what? 15? Oh, what? Hold on. Let me see. You beat, uh, let me look at UConn's thing here. Let me find them first. Uh, you beat 13, 5, 8, and 3. Texas, on the other hand, 12, 1, no, 12, 4, 1, and 2. Who had the more difficult? I think Miami might be ready more than they people might give them credit for because they had to go through one of the best Big Ten teams in the country in Indiana. The number one seed in your bracket in the Houston Cougars, and then the second seed in that bracket, the Texas Longhorns. So it could be possible that Miami might come in prime and ready for a matchup and you come could overlook them. So you said what, Iona, St. Mary's, Arkansas? Not because that is a very impressive. I ain't gonna hold you. Zach is very impressive. By the way, UConn has not lost a non-conference game. All they all they eight losses were in conference. UConn is 29 and 8, and all eight came to Big EC. So let's just say they are 29 and 0 against everybody else. My name is 29 and 7. Okay. Now let's look at it here. Points per game, Miami, damn near 80. UConn is at 79. Defense, 70 for Miami, 59 for UConn. That's a big difference. Field goal percentage, 48 for Miami, 46 for UConn. Rebounds, 35 for Miami, 39 for UConn, plus four Huskies. Assists per game, 15 for Miami, 18 for UConn, plus three. Blocks, three for Miami, five for UConn, plus two. Steals per game, seven and six, plus one. Miami, every category, UConn's better, except for points and steals. Points per game, defensive points per game, Bilko, I mean, but I'm just saying, do not be surprised if Miami punches UConn in the mouth and let them know. You're not going to treat us like you did Gonzaga. You're not going to treat us like you did St. Mary's. You're not going to treat us like you did Arkansas. You're going to win. You're going to have to earn it. Do not be shocked if Miami comes in there and says, yo, y'all going to have to earn this one. Y'all been cruising. Y'all ain't cruising. Y'all not cruising Saturday night. Y'all not cruising Saturday night. We don't care. Y'all not cruising Saturday night. Y'all going to have to, y'all gonna have to bury us to win this. But does Miami have anybody for Adama Sunogo? And the thing is, listen to Coach Harlan speak on first day. He ain't the most valuable player on that team. It's Watkins. So yeah. ESPN says 76.7 in favor of the Yukon Huskies, giving Miami a 23.3% chance. We shall see. Because it's going to be going down. And the next championship game is Monday night. There's your time. We have the Florida Atlanta Owls and the San Diego Asset getting us started at 6.09 p.m. Saturday. And after that game is done at 8.49. Or sometimes after that game, it's Miami and UConn for a trip to Monday's National Championship game. 
there you have it ladies and gentlemen that's all i have for you today it is the final four we in dallas for the women we're in houston for the men sunday and monday is a net championship games respectively along with the rest of me so you have everything you can watch and plus opening day baseball has begun today as well so all my sports fans get to it we have a lot to get into this weekend and we got a lot to talk about once the weekend's over with so until next week on the playmaker i'll catch y'all Shooting the lights out. Masterpiece.